Episode 4, How to Deal with Difficult Emotions. This is the Expat Mom Podcast, a podcast for expat moms around the world who want to feel better and improve their emotional health as they navigate the unique challenges of living and mothering abroad. I'm your host, Jenny Linton. I'm a certified life coach, a mom to four daughters, and married to a U.S. diplomat. I've lived in six countries on four continents. I know what it's like to feel stuck emotionally, and I know how to get unstuck. I'm excited to share with you some tools to help you feel less discouraged, improve your relationships, and increase your confidence. Welcome. Today, we're going to address an important topic, which is how to deal with difficult emotions. I referred to this skill in episode two and episode three. This is the skill I often end up teaching my clients and coaching them on regardless of what they want to be coached on. Because humans experience emotions. Those emotions are what make life rich and meaningful. But if we don't know how to handle them, they can create all sorts of havoc in our lives. Emotions are what drive us to do the things that we do. For example, it's the feeling of love that creates the willingness to sacrifice time for our children. In addition, we are often seeking to feel a particular emotion by doing certain behaviors. An example of this is when we say something we think someone else wants to hear, even if we don't really believe it, just so that we can feel their approval. Emotions drive us in important ways. Understanding emotions better and learning what to do with them when we do feel them is an important key to feeling better, improving our relationships, and following through on our goals. One of the things I find fascinating about kids is their ability to go from one extreme emotion to another. I notice that my four-year-old can go from playing calmly to excitedly running down to show me something, to tripping and falling and sobbing, to snuggling up affectionately on my lap, to curiosity about what I'm doing all in the course of a couple of minutes. As adults, we usually don't course through emotions quite this fast. But because we are human, we experience the whole range of emotions, positive and negative. As expats, we have an extra opportunity to experience emotions since moving and living abroad challenges us in new and often unexpected ways. If you ask most people, they prefer positive emotions like joy, peace, and contentment. Usually, we don't like the way that negative emotions feel, so we tend to spend a lot of energy and brain power trying to change or avoid our negative feelings. But today, I want to question this common practice a bit, and I want to help you learn a healthier way to deal with negative emotions. So let's talk about emotions for just a minute. What are they? Emotions are a sensation in our bodies that are caused by chemicals called neurotransmitters. Some common neurotransmitters are dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, GABA. These chemicals are released by the brain when we have a thought, and our brain feels it's important to drive us to do or not do something related to that thought. Emotions are one of the important languages the brain uses to get our attention. Our brain's number one job is to protect us. So when the brain detects a problem, It attempts to alert us by triggering a chemical that causes a sensation that motivates us to do or not do something. The brain knows that an emotion will get our attention. This thought, neurotransmitter, feeling, action cascade is important to keep us alive and to cause us to form relationships and even eat, among other things. 
For example, if I'm driving in the car and I see a car stop short in front of me, I might think, whoa, I've got to slow down. I will feel urgency or fear caused by the neurotransmitter norepinephrine. This emotion drives me to act quickly to hit the brakes on my car and brace myself and my children for any impact. Emotions, including negative emotions, are very important. They reflect a message the brain is trying to send. Well, in this example, it's really easy to see the benefit of a negative emotion. Other examples might not be so clear. For example, what's the benefit of overwhelm when you sit down and look at your to-do list? Is it possible the brain is trying to alert you to the danger of overspending your energy? Sometimes our negative emotions are caused by distorted thinking and won't be useful. We'll discuss more about this in a future podcast, but for now, whether a negative emotion is useful or not, we have to decide how to deal with the negative emotion in the moment. Most of us don't know how to handle negative emotions. Emotions like guilt, shame, fear, discouragement, irritation feel uncomfortable. And often we're socialized that these types of feelings aren't appropriate to express. Most of us are never taught how to handle difficult emotions in a healthy way. So to avoid these emotions, we usually do one of three things. First, we react to them by doing something. Second, we might resist them by repressing that emotion and pretending that that emotion isn't there. Or third, we might distract ourselves so we don't have to feel the emotion. But all of these three common methods of dealing with emotions have a really big downside. Let me explain. One of our most common and natural responses to feeling negative emotion is to react to it. So for example, when someone criticizes me, I might feel like lashing out or criticizing them back. When I stub my toe, I might kick the chair that I stubbed it on. That's a reaction to the pain. When I feel overwhelmed at dinner time, I might yell at my kids. Kids react to emotions as well. They often, for example, might react to disappointment by crying and throwing a tantrum. These behaviors are our brain trying to respond to the message that our brain is sending us, which is that there's some sort of threat. The problem is that sometimes what our brain perceives as a threat isn't really a problem. And when we respond as if it is, we often get a result that is more negative than the emotion itself. When I kick the chair after stubbing my toe, I actually create more pain for myself. When I yell at my kids because I'm overwhelmed, I feel guilty and they feel hurt. I find it really interesting that reacting to a negative emotion that isn't actually signaling a physical threat makes the negative emotion bigger. I like to think of reacting to an emotion like a bunch of dominoes that are lined up. When we react, it's like pushing the first domino and there's a chain reaction when all the dominoes fall down. Likewise, when we react to an emotion, we often cause a negative chain reaction that creates more negative emotions. The second thing way that people often deal with negative emotions is to repress them. Over time, we tend to recognize that reacting to our emotions can have negative consequences. So in order to avoid the negative consequences of reacting, instead we learn to repress our emotions. We ignore them or we try to cover them up with other emotions or actions. For example, if I'm waiting for a friend and my friend is running late, I might feel irritated. 
but I might not want to make a big deal of it since I know this friend wouldn't respond well. So I might just put on a cheerful smile when they arrive and pretend like I'm not bothered. At first, this approach might seem logical, and it seems like it helps us avoid some of the immediate negative consequences of reacting to a negative emotion. But unfortunately, this way of dealing with negative emotion has its own problems. Resisting emotion requires a lot of energy. It can be exhausting to constantly try to act contrary to how you feel. It's like trying to hold a beach ball under the water. You can do it for a while, but eventually it pops up somewhere because we get tired of holding it. Just like a beach ball that we lose hold of when it's under the water can pop up in unexpected places and may even come up with more force than it originally had, the same thing can happen with our emotions. For example, maybe we're bugged with our spouse about something, but we end up taking it out on our kids. Or maybe we hold it together even when we're frustrated, but eventually we explode. For some people, resisting emotions can also create anxiety. Anxiety is an important signal from the body that we're not listening to our emotions. One time I find myself resisting emotions regularly is when I ask my kids to get ready to leave the house and they don't get ready right away. The first time I'm really cheerful and calm, but when the kids don't listen, I start to feel impatient and irritated. I know that if I get irritated, they will too, and it slows the whole process down. So it's easy to just stuff my irritation down and pretend to be calm when I ask again. However, by the third or the fourth time, my frustration is getting more intense and more difficult to shove down. Sometimes I just explode at the kids. I have asked you four times to get your shoes on. We're going to be late. The kids tend to hustle into action and get their shoes on, but often at the expense of defensive comments and tears and frustration back at me. Ironically, I created a lot of chaos by repressing my emotion and it popping up later when it's stronger and harder to control. Chaos was the very thing I was trying to avoid by repressing my emotion. While we may think that we're doing a really good job at hiding how we feel, others are often very astute judges of sincerity, and they can usually tell. Suppressing our true emotions can cause distance in our relationship, and this also creates more negative emotion. When I'm bugged at my husband, but I try to act like nothing is wrong, he always seems to know, and it makes things worse. Just like reacting, to negative emotion creates more negative emotion. Resisting emotion also creates more negative emotion. The third common method that people often use to avoid feeling negative emotion is distraction. We think if we can do something else, the feeling will go away. And we're right. It does usually go away for a few minutes. If I'm frustrated with my kids and I don't want to yell at them, maybe I go and grab my phone and I scroll mindlessly on Instagram, or maybe I go get a little something from my treat cupboard. Momentarily, I do feel better. It softens the negative emotion that I feel, and it feels like a relief. But when we distract ourselves, we never get the message the brain intended to send. I like to think of choosing distractions to avoid feelings and emotions as giving our brains a busy signal. Remember when you used to place a phone call and you'd get a busy signal if someone was on their phone? This is how the brain feels when it tries to send us an emotion as a message and we ignore it by distracting ourselves. When we don't receive the message, we don't know what it is and we never solve for the issue. In addition, 
Often the things that we do to distract ourselves from those emotions cause their own problems. If I resort to food to solve for my emotions, I may gain weight. If I spend time on social media during dinner time, I may not get the house cleaned up, or I may miss important interactions with my kids. Even more importantly, distraction only delays negative emotion. It doesn't get rid of them. When we stop the distraction, the brain sees that we're available again, and the negative emotion just pops right back up again. Now we still have to deal with the negative emotion, and we have the negative consequence of whatever we did to distract ourselves. So all of these methods, reacting to a negative emotion, resisting or repressing a negative emotion, and distracting ourselves from negative emotion, all end up being unhelpful because they actually create more negative emotion. And worse, we're so busy trying to get rid of the negative emotion, we never end up listening to the message from our brain and then addressing it. So if none of these approaches work, what else is there? There is a much better and healthier way to deal with negative emotions. I didn't discover this until a few years ago, and I wish that I had understood these skills a long time ago. There is a way to receive the emotion and the message our brains are sending us without lashing out at people, without becoming depressed or eating tons of ice cream. The best way to get rid of negative emotion is to process it. Processing means to allow yourself to feel the emotion, to actually experience it. In Western culture, this isn't something that we're taught to do, and it often feels a little bit foreign to us. It might sound a little vague or a little woo-woo, but this is actually a concrete skill that we can develop. Learning how to process an emotion is essential to good emotional health. I'll show you how, but first, let me explain why processing works better. Our emotions work a lot like a Chinese finger trap that many of us might have played with as kids. The trap looks like a woven tube. When you place your finger in each side and try to pull them out, the trap tightens. The harder you pull, the tighter the trap gets. The only way to free yourself from the grip of a Chinese finger trap is to stop pulling and push towards the center with both of your fingers. Only when you move your fingers toward the center can you gently slide them out again and free yourself from the trap. Likewise, it's only when we move towards an emotion, open up to it, and allow ourselves to really feel it, that we can free ourselves from it. Studies show that emotions only last about 90 seconds, meaning it takes that long for the neurotransmitter to cycle through the body. However, if we try to get rid of the emotion by reacting, repressing it, or avoiding it, the emotion stays longer. The emotion gets bigger and tighter because the brain has to work harder to get its message through to us. If we don't listen to the message, the brain tries to get the message through another way. The only way out of an emotion is through. We have to receive the message the brain is trying to send. Maybe you're like I was, and you've heard this term, processing an emotion, but you're wondering what it really looks like. I learned how to process emotions from one of my mentors, Brooke Castillo. It's actually quite simple. So be careful not to dismiss this process because of its simplicity. Sometimes the best things are simple. Here are the steps I like to use for processing an emotion. Step one is to name the emotion. Usually this is just one word like sadness or fear. Second step is to notice exactly what it feels like in your body. 
Where do you notice different sensations? Is your chest tight? Are your cheeks hot? Are your fists clenched? Is it a hot or a cold emotion? Is it fast or slow? Does it make your muscles tense? Remind yourself that this is just a chemical in your body. The emotion itself can't hurt you. As simple as this idea is, it is really helpful to remind yourself of this. Our brain causes us to think it's urgent to get rid of this feeling of grief or discouragement or anger. But it's helpful to remind ourselves that emotions are just a chemical in our body. I like to remind myself of this and it helps me relax into the feeling when I don't feel like it can do anything to hurt me. And number four is to not be in a hurry to get rid of it. Allow it to stay as long as it needs. As I mentioned earlier, an emotion only lasts about 90 seconds. That means when a thought triggers an emotion, the neurotransmitter creates a sensation for about that long. But as soon as we want to be rid of an emotion, we're resisting again, and the brain has to work harder for the message to get across. If you lean into the emotion and allow it, ironically, the emotion can begin to dissipate because the message was received. One of the things that sometimes surprises my clients is that sometimes it takes more than one time of processing for the emotion to fully go away. And sometimes it can even come many times. Emotions often come like waves. They come and then they go, they come back again. Every time we think the same thought, it will trigger the emotion. So if I think I feel overwhelmed and I allow myself to feel the emotion, the overwhelm will dissipate. But when I think that thought again, I'm overwhelmed, the emotion will probably return. Repeating this process each time the emotion comes back causes the emotion waves to come less frequently and to be less intense. I find that often they stop altogether after a few times. So the last step is to continue to repeat as many times as the emotion comes back. Crying is one example of processing an emotion. Have you ever noticed how cathartic it is to cry? You let yourself sob and it allows you to feel your own sadness. Afterwards, you feel a lot better, even though nothing has changed. When the emotion finally gets through, the brain can relax. It got its message through. The emotion can finally subside because it's done its job. And in addition to helping the emotion dissipate, processing doesn't have any negative side effects like the other ways of coping with difficult emotions. The only downside to processing an emotion is that you feel a little bit uncomfortable for a minute while you notice how the emotion feels in your body. Let me give you a personal example of processing an emotion. One time I was out sightseeing with a group of women and I used a word that was offensive to someone. One of the women called me out in front of the group and said, I can't believe you just used that word. That is so offensive. I was a bit taken back. My intention was definitely not to be hurtful. I hadn't realized that the term would offend someone. As I listened to her explanation about why I was hurtful, I could see how it would be offensive and I felt terrible. My first response was to react. I wanted to defend myself and how I didn't mean it that way. I explained all the reasons I had used the word, but the woman continued to feel offended and my shame didn't go away. In fact, it even got worse when I was defensive. Then I tried just repressing it and pretending to be fine. But as we kept walking, my shame got bigger and bigger. The incident kept popping up in my mind and it became hard to think about anything else. I found myself starting to think about how rude it was for her to call me out in front of everyone else and embarrass me. I told myself that this woman's behavior was out of place, but again, it didn't make the negative emotion go away. In fact, 
it added negative emotion because now I felt irritated with her. I distracted myself from the shame by placing the blame outside of myself. I replaced the shame with irritation for her. Even though it was still a negative emotion, irritation temporarily felt better than shame. But then it caused its own problems. Now I didn't want to be near this woman. This woman was actually a good friend of mine, and I hated feeling awkward and embarrassed and irritated. I caught myself and realized I was creating all sorts of unnecessary mental drama for myself by trying to avoid feeling a negative emotion. I reminded myself, you know how to handle this. You just need to process this emotion. This is what processing shame looked like for me on that day. I admitted to myself that I was wrong, and immediately I felt a new rush of shame. So I named it. This is shame. I noticed how it felt in my body. My cheeks were flushed. I felt my stomach tightening. It felt kind of heavy. I could feel my ears tingling, kind of like a burning hot sensation. And for me, shame is sort of like a dark, slow emotion. I reminded myself, this is just a chemical in my body. It can't hurt me. And I even talked back to the shame. Shame, stay as long as you need to. Frankly, the shame felt terrible. Shame is not one of my favorite emotions to process. It makes me feel like I want to run away, but I didn't. In a minute or two, the emotion dissipated. I took a deep breath and I felt so much better. Then my friend who had made the comment called me over to take a picture with her. Just interacting with her brought a new rush of shame. I processed the new surge the same way. It resurfaced a few more times that afternoon, but each time the emotion was less intense and it stayed for less time. By the end of the day, the emotion was completely gone. Leaning into the emotion allowed me to receive the message that my brain wanted to send me. My brain was letting me know that I felt bad about what I had said. I was embarrassed. I didn't want to do it again. And as I allowed myself to feel that feeling of shame, I recognized that and I committed to use a different word in the future. Processing feelings can be a powerful way to get rid of them. It seems sort of ironic that inviting a feeling to stay would be able to help it leave, but that's exactly what happens. Just like the Chinese finger trap, the more we resist and pull away from our feelings, the more our feelings trap us. To get rid of a negative emotion, we have to lean into it. We have to go towards it and embrace it. Only then do we become freed from the emotion's tight grip. I want to challenge you to develop the ability to process your feelings and see what happens. As we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, emotions are powerful because they alert us to what's going on in our minds. Our minds and our emotions are trying to communicate an important message. When we allow ourselves to feel the emotions instead of repressing them, reacting to them, or distracting ourselves from them, we give ourselves the gift of freedom. Rather than being driven by our emotion, we are better able to make deliberate decisions and we can solve for the problem or the message that our brain is trying to send us. So we can even recognize that there isn't a problem. Processing emotions is simple, but it is powerful. One of the questions my clients often ask is, so how do you do this in the midst of normal life? I can't just go off in a corner and process. In the beginning, I think it is helpful to try processing an emotion in a quiet place where you can focus. For example, if you're feeling a strong emotion, you might consider going in a bedroom and shutting the door. Walk yourself through the steps of processing an emotion. 
I think you'll find after a couple of times, it becomes much easier to just do it in the daily course of life. You can be driving or cooking or in a meeting or talking to somebody, and you just process as you go. When you notice an emotion, name it. Notice it. Allow it. Meanwhile, you can be doing whatever you need to do. It doesn't require tons of time or effort, but it does require us to be more mindful and more accepting of our emotions as they come. Let me recap the steps to processing an emotion one more time. Number one, name it. Number two, notice exactly where you feel it in your body and note what it feels like. Number three, remind yourself it's just a chemical in your body. The emotion itself can't hurt you. Number four, don't be in a hurry to get rid of it. Allow it to stay as long as it needs. And number five, repeat this process as often as the feeling resurfaces. I've created a guide for you to use in processing your emotions. In the beginning, it can be helpful to have a written reminder of what to do. This guide offers you some additional questions you can ask to help yourself process the emotion as well. You can download this guide for free from the show notes. If you'd like help learning to process an emotion, sign up for a free mini coaching session on my website, theexpatmom.com. I'd love to help you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like help applying the tools you're learning on this podcast, sign up for a free private 30 minute mini coaching session on any topic you'd like help on. You can schedule it on my website, theexpatmom.com forward slash schedule. Also, if you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes to help other people find it. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.